Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is the 87th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, February 14th, 2022, Valentine's Day. Coming up in just a minute, it is a time for choosing in the state of Arkansas. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer would not allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashmanshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm running for governor, and if you would like to support that, that's pretty easy, too. ElectDocWashburn.com. That's where you want to go, ElectDocWashburn.com. Now, we were finally able to get together a um, a campaign video over the weekend, and we're really pleased with the way that it turned out. Speaking of which, let me let me take a look at this. ElectDocWashburn.com. They've been working on the uh, on the website over the weekend, and I just want to see where where things stand right now. Good deal, good deal. So we have the campaign video on the website, and we'll have a lot of bullet points of, about a lot of the issues that I want to do something about, probably sometime today. But before we play for you. The video explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to say thank you. Oh, gee. Phone's ringing. I usually wouldn't answer the phone during a live thing, but it's it's my son. Let me see. Hey, son, you know, I'm doing the live stream thing right now, but uh, can I call you back in a little bit? Oh, my bad. Yeah, of course. Love no, I love you too, son. Thank you very much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Uh, anyway. Um, no, I'm, that's my boy right there. So I'll 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 take that phone call just 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 to say hey let me call you back in a little bit. Um, so Saturday night, Saturday night, I spoke at the Cleburne County Republican Women's Club chili cookoff, and I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, because y'all uh, y'all were so kind to me and um, took me in as one of one of your own and um, I, I just really appreciate that I really appreciate that um, it was an interesting um, interesting time French Hill actually showed up US representative French Hill showed up and it did not go well for him. You know, I called him out for refusing to believe 
that the presidential election was stolen. And his challenger, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, also called him out. Um, and French just gave her regular stock stump speech. Uh, tried to uh, mention Donald Trump in a positive light a couple of times. Even though he insists that Donald Trump's rhetoric leading up to uh, January 6th was unforgivable. Anyway, um, oh, and insists that the election was not stolen. And insists that Liz Cheney, who voted to impeach Donald Trump, is an outstanding conservative. Now, also, I don't know if you heard about this. Your rhino United States Senator, John Bozeman, also, also insists that it was not right for the Republican National Committee to censure Liz Cheney over voting to impeach Donald Trump. Amazing, isn't it? Again, I'll go back to a couple of weeks ago. When Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorsed John Bozeman on Facebook and received a torrent of negative replies, people saying, no, Sarah, what are you doing? We support Jan Morgan for United States Senate in the Republican primary. Why are you endorsing this rhino who always, always, always votes to fund Planned Parenthood? Same thing with French Hill. 99% negative response when Sarah Huckabee Sanders went on Facebook to endorse old family friend, U.S. Representative French Hill, for re-election. People said, no, Sarah, we're done with him. We support Donald Trump. Why don't you? We want Colonel Conrad Reynolds to be our next congressman. 99% negatives on that. So anyway, um, I came out with a campaign ad over the weekend, and it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, and I hope that you will share it, and I want to play it for you. It goes something like this. Hi, my name is Doc Washburn, and I'm running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. Unlike my opponent, I will answer questions. I will talk about issues. For too long, this state has been run by Walmart and the Chamber of Commerce. Our Arkansas legislature voted to make it against the law to sterilize minor children. But Governor Hutchinson vetoed it because Walmart wanted him to. In 2020, Governor Hutchinson imposed a lockdown that drove a lot of small businesses out of business. But it didn't touch Walmart or the other big box stores. Governor Hutchinson recently endorsed my opponent. She actually said he had done a great job. Really, Sarah? The mask mandates for five-year-olds were a great idea? We need a governor who will fight for our freedom. I'm for real school choice, not just enough school choice to keep the education lobby happy. Is Sarah? Who knows? As governor of Arkansas, I will sign a bill to outlaw all abortions. Would Sarah? Who knows? As governor, I will rid our schools of critical race theory and fight to end the liberal takeover of our schools and state colleges. Would Sarah? Who knows? 
We have a tax surplus of over a billion dollars because we have been overtaxed for years. Would Sarah do anything about that? Who knows? But I will. As governor, I will aggressively use the power of persuasion to encourage the legislature to drastically cut the size of our government, drastically cut your taxes, and not play the game of lowering a few taxes while raising many more, but actually give you your money back. I will demand letters of resignation from the directors of every state agency on my desk the day I'm sworn in. Most of them are liberals anyway, and they're a big part of the problem. Our state government needs to be completely overhauled, and I'm ready to get to work. I'm not ashamed to say the presidential election was stolen from President Trump, and the folks still being held since January 6th are political prisoners. Will you ever say anything about that, Sarah? I'm Doc Washburn. I'm running for governor of Arkansas, and if you think our country, our state, and our way of life are worth saving, I am asking for your vote in the Republican primary on May 24th. All right, and it just shows electdocwashburn.com. So, share it far and wide. It's on YouTube. We've got a new uh, YouTube channel called Doc Washburn for Governor. I hope you can um, get that out there. I am scheduled to be at the Arkansas Cervical Center this afternoon. Uh, Doctors J.R. and Tanya Crabtree, good friends of mine, have been good friends of mine for many, many years, and they're having their 23rd anniversary celebration of being in business and helping people uh, all over central Arkansas. So I'm scheduled to be there from 2 to 6 this afternoon and certainly hope to see you there. All right, um, there's some other news that we need to deal with. And this is some this is some crazy stuff. And I'm not trying to get your hopes up, but I need to at least tell you what's going on. So over at LegalInsurrection.com, we have William A. Jacobson. And the article entitled, Durham Court Filing, Hillary's Campaign Spied on Trump Tower, Trump Apartment Building, White House Internet Traffic. Subtitle, Among the Internet Data Tech Executive One and His Associates Exploited Was Domain Name System, DNS, Internet traffic pertaining to, one, a particular health care provider, two, Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building, and four, the executive office of the President of the United States. Oh, my goodness. So let's dig into this, because this is important, and if you're relying on the liberal media You're not going to hear about this anywhere. So Brother Jacobson, a legal insurrection, says, we can only hope that some major figures related to the 2016 Clinton campaign end up doing perp walks. What is now clear is that the Clinton campaign, through its lawyers, masterminded the manipulation 
of the 2016 election and the anti-Trump resistance through false and fabricated accusations and purported documentation of Russia collusion. The Clinton campaign was dirty as hell, put this country through hell for years, and people need to go to jail. But who knows if that will ever happen. Special counsel John Durham continues his work, but so far there haven't been any bombshell indictments. The main indictment is of Michael Sussman, the attorney for Perkins Coy, the law firm who worked for the Clinton campaign. Sussman's then-law partner, Mark Elias, is the leading Democrat election lawyer and was a conduit for funding the disgraced dossier from, uh, <clears throat> from Christopher Steele. Sussman is charged with one count of lying to the FBI by falsely stating that in providing information about alleged Trump ties to a Russia bank, Alpha Bank, Sussman was acting alone. In fact, John Durham alleges Sussman was not acting alone. He was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Wow. Jacobson says, I wrote at the time of Sussman's indictment, and he links to the article, Indictment of Campaign Lawyer, demonstrates how Hillary Clinton is the most systematically manipulative politician of our lifetime. And this article dropped on Saturday. So he says yesterday, which would have been Friday, Durham filed a document that asserts that Sussman and another lawyer believed to be Elias hired a technical expert to monitor Internet traffic from Trump Tower, Trump's apartment, and the executive office of the president. The purported purpose of the court filing was to put on the record that Sussman's defense counsel, the firm of Lathan and Watkins, may have conflicts of interest, and that Sussman was waiving those conflicts. The government does this so that Sussman cannot later claim that any conviction was invalid because of his counsel's conflicts. From John Durham's court filing, number one, the United States of America, by and through its attorney, special counsel John H. Durham, respectfully moves this court to inquire into potential conflicts of interest arising from the representation of the defendant by his current counsel, Latham and Watkins, LLP. The government has discussed these matters with the defense and believes that any potential conflicts likely could be addressed with a knowing and voluntary waiver by the defendant upon consultation with conflict-free counsel as appropriate. The government believes that any such waiver should be put on the record prior to trial. As set forth in further detail below, it is possible that conflicts of interest could arise from the fact that Latham and or its employees previously represented others in the special counsel's investigation whose interests may conflict with those of the defendant, previously represented the defendant and his prior employer in connection with events that likely will be relevant at trial or at any sentencing, and maintained professional and or personal relationships with individuals who could be witnesses in these proceedings. Accordingly, for the reasons set forth below, the government respectfully requests that the court inquire into the potential conflicts of interest set forth herein. Defense counsel has advised that the defendant 
has been apprised of these issues, understands that he has the right to consult independent counsel, and presently intends to waive any potential conflict of interest. Okay, yet Durham seems to have gone beyond what was necessary in revealing some enticing details. Fox News reports lawyers for the Clinton campaign paid a technology company to infiltrate servers belonging to Trump Tower and later the White House in order to establish an inference and narrative to bring to government agencies linking Donald Trump to Russia, a filing from special counsel John Durham says. But Durham's filing on February 11th in a section titled Factual Background reveals that Sussman had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the FBI on behalf of at least two specific clients, including a technology executive, who they call Tech Executive One, at a U.S.-based Internet company, Internet Company One, and the Clinton campaign. Now, Durham's filing. Durham's filing said Sussman's billing records reflect that he repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on the Russian Bank One allegations. The filing revealed that Sussman and the tech executive had met and communicated with another law partner who was serving as general counsel to the Clinton campaign. Sources told Fox News that lawyers Mark Elias, who worked at the law firm Perkins Coie. Now, again, from Durham's court filing, number four, the indictment also alleges that beginning in approximately July 2016, Tech Executive One had worked with the defendant, a U.S. investigative firm retained by law firm One on behalf of the Clinton campaign. Numerous cyber researchers and employees at multiple Internet companies to assemble the purported data and white papers. In connection with these efforts, Tech Executive One exploited his access to non-public and or proprietary Internet data. Tech Executive One also enlisted the assistance of researchers at a U.S.-based university who were receiving and analyzing large amounts of Internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. Tech Executive One tasked these researchers to mine Internet data to establish an inference or an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. In doing so, Tech Executive One indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs referring to individuals at Law Firm One and the Clinton campaign. Now, hang on just a second because the TV started uh, running. I had um, unfortunately paused it earlier, forgot about it, and it started running. So I don't want that noise in the background. i got to close this door. All right, that's better. Again, from William Jacobson's article today in Legal Insurrection entitled Durham Court Filing, Hillary Clinton's Campaign Spied on Trump Tower, Trump apartment building, and White House internet traffic. We go to more from the from the Durham court filing from Friday. Number five, the government's evidence at trial will also establish that among the internet data tech executive one and his associates exploited 
was domain name system, DNS, internet traffic pertaining to one, a particular health care provider, two, Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building, and four, the executive office of the President of the United States. Tech Executive One's employer, Internet Company One, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the executive office of the president as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the executive office of the president. Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the executive office of the president's DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. And this is explosive stuff here. Number six, the indictment further details that on February 9th, 2017, the defendant provided an updated set of allegations, including the Russia Bank One data and additional allegations relating to Trump to a second agency of the U.S. government, which we'll refer to as Agency Two. The government's evidence at trial will establish that these additional allegations relied in part on the purported DNS traffic the tech executive one and others had assembled pertaining to Trump Tower, Donald Trump's New York City apartment building, the executive office of the president, and the aforementioned health care provider. In his meeting with Agency 2, the defendant provided data which he claimed reflected purportedly suspicious DNS lookups by these entities of Internet Protocol addresses affiliated with a Russian mobile phone provider. The defendant further claimed that these lookups demonstrated that Trump and or his associates were using supposedly rare Russian-made wireless phones in the vicinity of the White House and other locations. The special counsel's office has identified no support for these allegations. Indeed, more complete DNS data that the special counsel's office obtained from a company that assisted Tech Executive One in assembling these allegations reflects that such DNS lookups were far from rare in the United States. For example... The more complete data that Tech Executive One and his associates gathered but did not provide to Agency Two reflected that between approximately 2014 and 2017, there are a total of more than 3 million lookups of Russian phone provider One IP addresses that originated with U.S.-based IP addresses. Fewer than 1,000 of these lookups originated with IP addresses affiliated with Trump Tower, In addition, the more complete data assembled by Tech Executive One and his associates reflected the DNS lookups involving the Executive Office of the President and Russian phone provider One began at least as early as 2014, in other words, during the Obama administration and years before Trump took office, another fact which the allegations omitted. Wow. Now, William Jacobson at LegalInsurrection.com continues his article. He says, the monitoring of the White House is a little vague in this document as to the time frame. Many people are asserting that it was while Trump was president 
but that's not crystal clear from the filing. It also is not alleged that this Internet traffic monitoring was in itself illegal. The alleged illegality was Sussman lying to the FBI about it. Let's see where this leads and what additional perp walks take place. I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, now, he has a, uh, pardon me, has a screenshot of a tweet from Liz Harrington, who is official spokesperson for Donald Trump. See, Donald Trump is uh, forbidden from commenting on Facebook or Twitter, but Liz Harrington from time to time will share a press release from Donald Trump's Save America organization. So here is a statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America, on Saturday. He says, the latest pleading from special counsel Robert Durham, it should be John Durham, maybe Robert's his middle name, provides indisputable evidence that my campaign and presidency was spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign in an effort to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate, and those who were involved in it and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. In addition, reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Donald Trump was making these allegations sometime back on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl. Do you remember this? Yeah, I've got it. I've got it saved somewhere on my Twitter. I'm just scrolling back because she was just like, you, you can't, you can't do this. This is 60 minutes. You can't just make allegations like that. So the question is, see, because she announced they weren't going to air those claims. Fortunately, Trump's people recorded it. So let's uh, let's play this and, and, and see, uh, is, is Donald Trump going to get an, an apology from Leslie Stahl in 60 Minutes? It went something like this. So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Yeah, there's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. 
Yeah, you do. You know it now. You know it now. So, this takes us back to Arkansas. No, 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 not, not just because Hillary Clinton was first lady of Arkansas for 12 years. No. Because here's the question. Will any of the people that Arkansas sends to Congress, Tom Cotton, John Bozeman, French Hill, Bruce Westerman, Rick Crawford, Steve Womack, will any of them comment on this bombshell news? Now, Tom Cotton is not up for re-election this year, but the rest of them are. And it will be fascinating to see if any of them comment on it. For that matter, my opponent in the Republican primary for governor used to work for Donald Trump. I wonder if she'll comment on it. Just a thought. Just a thought. It'll be interesting to see if there's any comment because, you know, you get the impression that the establishment Republicans really, really, really just want to move on. Don't care the election was stolen. Just want to move on. So we'll see what happens on that. All right. That having been said, let's uh, let's have a word from our sponsors, and God bless them for allowing us to do what we do here. Now, if you tried to buy a car recently, you probably realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live because they couldn't find anything closer. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River Your Way experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button. Now, clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, 
truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental United States. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. Okay, now one of the things that we talk about on the Doc Washburn Show is the federal government cram down. The federal government trying to force you to do what they want instead of protecting your freedom. Okay, a perfect example, Obamacare, 2009. Did that so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. The first thing you'll see at that website are the big, bold letters, Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. And then the big red button, schedule call now. You click that button and you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage and make sure that your personalized health coverage doesn't have you covering anything like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, unlike some of those Obamacare plans. The website, again, is MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Big red button, schedule call now. You click on that, you get a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance. The website is MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, now. There's so much more. There is so much more going on. Um, Most of our listeners are from outside Arkansas. But people who listened to my local radio talk show in Little Rock, Arkansas, might remember late summer, late summer of 2018, we were contacted by a listener who works at the airport in Little Rock. And he said, guys, I don't know what's going on, but there are federal agents out here loading hundreds of boxes of documents onto a big jumbo jet owned by the United States Department of Justice, and it's headed back to Washington, D.C. And it happened twice in like two or three days. My producer and I are sitting there going, well, where could those hundreds of boxes of documents be from? I mean, um, 
We kind of doubted it was the Bull Weevil Eradication Board. So, I mean, if it's not the Clinton Foundation, what could it possibly be? Well, lo and behold, we were the only media in the Little Rock television and radio market to cover the story, but we covered it to the best of our ability. But nobody wanted to say anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Fast forward to December of 2018. I think it was December 13th. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was December 13th, 2018. Most of Congress had gone home. But uh, Mark Meadows, this is before he joined the Trump administration. He was still a member of the U.S. House at the point. Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan had some kind of subcommittee hearing. And in the morning, they took testimony from Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch. And in the afternoon, they took testimony from a couple of guys I'd never heard of before, Doyle and Moynihan. Now, Doyle and Moynihan are Clinton Foundation whistleblowers. And they they each had a company that um, specialized in investigating 501c3s. And they talked about the federal agents loading the boxes of documents onto the big jumbo jet owned by the U.S. Department of Justice a few months earlier that we had talked about on my local radio talk show in Little Rock. And my producer and I were stunned that here they were, under oath, on C-SPAN, discussing this story out of Little Rock from a few months earlier that we had never been able to find out anything about. And I'm sure if you go on YouTube to this day, and type in Doyle and Moynihan, Clinton Foundation, you can look at their testimony. But anyway, um, they're out there on Twitter today with kind of a timeline of what's been going on with their case. And I just thought it would be um, appropriate to share it with you. Clinton Foundation whistleblowers Doyle Moynihan versus IRS and U.S. Tax Court. And here's what they say. We filed our Clinton Foundation whistleblower submission with the IRS in August of 2017. Yes, 2017. We testified to Congress December 13, 2018. Okay, I got the date right. Good. We testified to Congress December 13th, 2018. Final denial by the IRS, February 2019. We appealed U.S. Tax Court, March of 2019. 
Appeal accepted by U.S. Tax Court August 28, 2019. IRS files for summary judgment dismissal, which is denied by judge in October 2020 as he writes that IRS abused its discretion in handling our submission. April 2021, judge orders IRS to review regarding whether criminal investigation took place. Case is ongoing and under seal. October 2021, we confirm on this platform that we have had engagement with Special Prosecutor John Durham's office. Aha! February 11th, 2022, that was Friday. John Durham reveals informal filing of evidence that the executive office of the president was being spied on. Temperature clearly rising. Our claims and our Clinton Foundation tax fraud submission are a violation of IRS codes. Number one, Clinton Foundation acted as agent of foreign governments and corporations. Number two, Clinton Foundation not properly organized and operated. Number three, Clinton Foundation made misrepresentations and filings under penalty of perjury. Number four, private foundations, including the Gates Foundation at all, are subject to tax on donations made under IRS codes of donor responsibilities. We remain focused in our pursuits regarding this case and others. The American public deserve truth, justice, and the rule of law. It says, please share. Thank you. So I will definitely share this. Because I just got to tell you, and I don't understand why this is dragging out so so long. You know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the firmament. I'm not the brightest bulb in the drawer. But uh, this is uh, remarkable stuff going on. Now, I want to go back to Durham for a second. Um Because when Durham indicted this Sussman guy who worked for the Clinton Foundation, I was curious. I was curious. Because I didn't see how Durham could get away with indicting any Democrats under this attorney general. I didn't see how that could happen, you know? And so I reached out to uh, Andrew McCarthy. Now, Andrew McCarthy has written a number of wonderful books. He was an assistant U.S. attorney Back in the 90s, he was a guy who brought down the blind sheikh, Abdul Rahman, the guy who tried to uh, 
um, blow up the World Trade Center in 1993. And so I asked him, how's Durham getting away with indicting Democrats? And Brother McCarthy said that, because I said, look, doesn't Durham have to get any indictments signed off on by Attorney General Merrick Garland? And Brother, Brother McCarthy said, yeah. He said, he said, I'm sure they're not in, in daily contact with each other. But, yes, it, it, ultimately any indictments have to be signed off on by Merrick Garland. And I said, well, Merrick Garland serves at the pleasure of, of Biden or whoever's pulling Biden's strings, right? Well, yeah. But Brother McCarthy put forth the proposition that Biden hates Hillary anyway. So if Durham's investigation is going towards Hillary, Biden or his handlers are not going to stop that. That's fine. That's fine. And at that point, I asked, "Well, now wait a minute. Um, you know, there was a there was a meeting January fifth, twenty seventeen, like two weeks before Trump took office. There was a meeting in the Oval Office: Obama, Biden, John Brennan, James Comey, a few other people about this whole thing. So I don't know, because Brother McCarthy." Had told me he thought that Merrick Garland and John Durham had an understanding. But I'm like, okay, wait. Um, How does this not go to Obama and Biden? And at that point, Brother McCarthy stopped responding, and that's fine. He's busy. He's a busy guy. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to get your hopes up, but I'm just trying to report What's going on? Okay. I mean, it's like uh, William Jacobson said, legal insurrection. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it as far as perp walks, people going to jail, et cetera, et cetera. But this is what's going on. Okay, I just checked a couple of our uh, people we send to Washington from Arkansas just to see if they have anything to say whatsoever about this new bombshell with John Durham saying that the Hillary Clinton campaign was spying on Trump in the White House and nothing. Nothing from Senator John Bozeman. Nothing from United States Representative French Hill. I mean, literally nothing on their social media. I'll bet you Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who's challenging French Hill, I'll bet you he's going to talk about it. And I bet you Jan Morgan, who's challenging Senator John Boson, I bet she'll she'll be talking about it. Just so you know. Just so you know. So, um, 
Sorry, I had to get a little bit of H2O there. It's good stuff. Got to keep hydrated. I want to say a word about a couple of our sponsors. First of all, my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton. Justin Minton is a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer. He founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019. And now he's helping me out with my most recent automobile accident. I got rear-ended on Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock December 17th. Now, the Menton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Menton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin Menton's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury... Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt in the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in the state of Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, now, best kept secret in American healthcare. The best kept secret in American healthcare. I want to share that with you. And this is one of the reasons that I prayed on and off for years to have some kind of national platform to get the word out to people. So let me ask you something. Do you have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo? Do you have problems with your blood sugar? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally lean to one side or the other? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I get rid of my migraines and my neck pain. I'll explain to you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your circulatory system, your digestive system, your respiratory system, and yes, even your reproductive system. It can also cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, problems with your blood sugar. So do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center at 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or, if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on Find a Doctor Near You to see if you can find a doctor near you, a practitioner, who adjusts the atlas. 
and you'll be glad you did. I'll tell you what, we have so many. My wife and I have been helped so much by these folks, and we know so many people who have been. It's the real deal, y'all. TurnMyPowerOn.com. And by the way, I am scheduled to be at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center's 23rd anniversary celebration, their 23rd uh, year in business uh, at their uh, at their office on East Race Street in Searcy, Arkansas, this afternoon from 2 to 6 Central. So y'all come join us. Y'all come join us. One of the things I am seeing in this campaign for governor is that our elected leaders are in some sort of a bubble. They don't seem to be concerned about the things that you and I are concerned about. And that's a shame. That's a shame. Because they certainly should be. Here's another. Here's another. The great Bo Snurdly, who's Rush Limbaugh's producer, I think, for over 30 years, links to the article from Margot Cleveland at The Federalist entitled Special Counsel, colon, Democrats framed and spied on Trump while he was president. Now, this is the kind of thing that concerns people. And you're going to tell me that the same people who framed Trump, who spied on Trump while he was president, didn't steal the election November of 2020? Now, U.S. Senator John Bozeman from Arkansas is going to say, nope, they didn't steal the election. Don't care what anybody says. U.S. Representative French Hill running for re-election in Central Arkansas, it's like, absolutely not. It's a fiction and a fallacy from Donald Trump that the election was stolen. Okay. What does Sarah Huckabee Sanders think about that? She won't say, will she? She won't say. I think Arkansans deserve to have United States senators who will speak to these issues. And that's why I'm excited that Jan Morgan is challenging John Bozeman. Bozeman, who said that it's wrong for the parties to for the party to censure Liz Cheney for voting to uh, impeach Donald Trump. Do you realize Liz Cheney's on this January 6th committee and they're on a fishing expedition and they're trying to subpoena all kinds of paperwork from people who had nothing to do 
with January 6th? And Bozeman's fine with that? I think the people in the central Arkansas deserve a U.S. representative who is willing to admit that the election was stolen and wants to make sure that the next one isn't. And that's why I support Colonel Conrad Reynolds over the incumbent U.S. Representative French Hill. And you know what? I believe that the people of Arkansas deserve a governor who's willing to say the election was stolen. So once Sarah Huckabee Sanders um, endorsed French Hill for re-election for U.S. House, French Hill, who said it's a fiction and a fallacy, that the election was stolen, who said that Donald Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6th was unforgivable. That's when people started contacting me. That's when people, because I've always said, I've always said, I'm not ever going to run for office. No way, no how. I just, no can do. And people started contacting me and saying, look, you don't understand. Hang on just a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All righty. Judge Wood, my producer, is going to be calling you in just a moment so we can get you on the air, okay? Okay, Okay, sorry for the inconvenience. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay, very good. Uh, We've got uh, Judge Joseph K. Wood coming on with us in just a moment. He's running for lieutenant governor. But I knew that somebody had to step up and do something when Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorsed French Hill, who said it's a fiction and a fallacy that that Donald Trump had an election stolen from him. I knew somebody needed to stand up. So, that having been said, there are a lot of issues out there that concern us that our politicians don't want to talk about. Now, why is that? Is it simply a case of follow the money? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is, what I do know is, I believe that voters in America and voters in Arkansas are ready for leaders who will stand up and address the issues that are of concern to them. And that's why I'm running. And I believe that's why Colonel Conrad Reynolds is running 
for U.S. House from Central Arkansas. I believe that's why Jan Morgan is running for U.S. Senate from Arkansas. I just, uh, this whole deal of Bozeman, um, saying that Liz Cheney shouldn't have been censured, voting to impeach Trump, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. All righty, Judge Joseph K. Wood, do we have you? Doc, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and I appreciate you coming on the program with me. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Uh, congratulations on your show. Thank you very much, sir. Congratulations on your uh, campaign for lieutenant governor. Now, you have been the county judge in Washington County, Arkansas, in northwest Arkansas, for a number of years now, right? Right. That's correct. Got elected in 2016. Uh, got a sworn in in uh, January of 2017, and now my second term. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, we got a much bigger audience now than we did when we did local talk radio in Little Rock. We have people listening from all over the place. And I want to ask you about a couple of issues, and then um, if you can tell the remarkable story that you told on my local talk radio show. Uh, Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Okay, Lieutenant Governor, um, my understanding is in a state like Arkansas, uh, you're trying to work in coordination with the governor and with the legislature and use the bully pulpit to get good things done, right? That's correct. So what are some – I'm sorry, go ahead. That would be correct. Uh, Obviously, you have two main functions – here in the state of Arkansas, where you you are elected by the people in some states, you are uh, kind of a coal. The governor and the lieutenant governor are kind of a package in the state of Arkansas. You are elected by the people. So uh, it doesn't have to be uh, one and the same, if you will. I get a chance to then, as a, uh, as lieutenant governor, preside over the Senate, uh, looking at the types of bills that are coming to the floor, what committees they go to. But the larger one is obviously being prepared and ready should uh, there be a transition with the governor. And so I'm being ready to lead on day one and take over the reins and share the vision and execute on those um, uh, should, you, should I move from governor to governor. Right, right, exactly. And what are some of the issues that, that you think that our state legislature needs to address? The big four for me uh, as lieutenant governor sharing and running around the state is some of the things I kind of work and do now uh, should I become lieutenant governor and governor. It would be obviously economic development. How do we continue to drive and and, and have Arkansas being this, uh, as I think it should be, a beacon of hope and uh, when it comes to economic development, all things, when you have the types of industries that we have here, uh, the natural resources that we have here, the work ethic that we have here. So economic development, uh, if you know anything about my county, one of the, the fastest growing in the state, and in fact, one of the fastest growing in the country, uh, we've done a lot up here in the northwest Arkansas, and economic development is obviously at the foundation and the root. So economic development would be one. Uh, I'm a big proponent of veterans and veteran care, veteran service. So uh, what, what time attention are we looking at and doing with our veterans? Education, clear education ties directly to economic development, uh, whether it becomes 
of our parents, our students, uh, whether it also becomes uh, going back into looking at our technical Voltec uh, industries. we got a lot of infrastructure, and everything that we have does not necessarily mean you need to have a four-year degree. And so how do we introduce and, and, and really celebrate those other vocations? Uh, and, again, that comes back to education and tying directly into economic development. And then the last one is our children foster care and adoption, uh, we got 5,000-plus kids in the system, and how do we do more to work through change, our current DHS, uh, uh, and what's happening with our young people, et cetera. And so those would be the big four for me, economic development, veterans, education, and then our children. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand. You, you say we have 5,000 children in the foster care system? Yes. That. Wow, that's that. so. That, that that's parents who are trying to work through the system and courts and all to get their kids back. And yeah. in some many cases, this that the parents are struggling to get their kids back because of whether it be some uh, dependencies that they have, and and the kids has now been in foster care. I don't know. You got some kids have been in seven, eight, ten homes, twelve homes. Oh my! Uh, and so then oh my. trying to find uh, adoptions. Uh, and get those kids into forever homes. And it becomes harder when they become older. Again, you've been in that many homes, that means that you're probably uh, getting to a place where you're starting to age out, and those become even harder to place uh, into forever homes because you you got some things baked in, you, you know, 12, 13 years of bouncing around and from home to home. Uh, and so, again, there's a lot of things that has to work with that. you got mental concerns, education, how they're coming along, um, trust, and what does love mean, and those type of things. Yeah. So it's a lot to that. Well, and, and, and one of the things that I've seen also is that every once in a while, DCFS makes a mistake and takes ch- oh, children away from parents that they shouldn't take them away from. Absolutely. Or even having uh, external parents, uh, extended family members, grandparents who are really trying to put their hands up to say, hey, I could be a good caretaker uh, for for the for a child uh, yeah. that's in the family. Mom and dad is having concerns and issues. And it's a tough one. Even my wife and I, we spent a little time trying to adopt. We went through background checks and went through a lot of the classes. Uh, some of the same classes that they're offering today were offered probably 20 years ago, it's kind of a lot of the, uh, some updating needs to happen. But the biggest challenge was, I was saying with some of the legislators, you know, as much as you have good people trying to take kids out of the system, it almost feels like you're trying to put people in the system. Yeah. And some of that is with regard. You want to really know who who's going to be taking our most valuable and most uh, 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 valued resource, which is a child. You, you, you can't put a price on it. Right. And yet you want to know who taking them, but at the same time, you got parents who are struggling to get these kids, keep their kids, and, you know, 15 times in a, a foster, that means they've been in back with that mom and dad maybe 15 times, so uh, are they going through the same scrutiny? And we don't put that type of thing on people to get a kid or have a kid, but, boy, it, it makes it real tough, and the burden falls on us as taxpayers. Uh, amen, absolutely. So now, um, going back a few months to when, you came on my show when I was doing local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we had yes. talked about some of these issues. And then I said, um, so um, it, it dawned on me the abortion issue is, is always with us and it's always in the news and there are uh, developments in Arkansas and Texas. So I asked you about the abortion issue and you uh, share with my audience mm-hmm. a remarkable 
story, uh, a, a personal connection you have to this issue. And uh, yep. I, I would be honored if you could share that with uh, with my audience today. Absolutely. Uh, it's near and dear to me. Uh, our Constitution really frames it all up is that it's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of. And the very first one is life. I wonder, did they really think through that life would be first because without life, you can't have freedoms and you can't pursue what it is that God has ordained you to do and be and have. And so uh, I come from that same place. I was a kid in the system. Uh, I was a foster kid, adopted at 10 years old. Uh, but I just recently found out how. I always knew I was adopted. Uh, my mother and father had been married for several years, couldn't have kids, and decided to go to uh, the orphanage downtown Chicago and foster a little girl. They got there, and she's like, nope, I want to foster this little boy, and uh, uh, start fostering me, and uh wouldn't be long before she got pregnant, had a kid, and got pregnant, had another kid, got pregnant. So where they thought they, for five years, couldn't have any kids, they ended up having the whole house full. But what wow. I found out 11 years ago, the laws changed in the state of Illinois that said if you're ever adopted, you can have your original birth certificate. I'm thinking, wow, if I get my original birth certificate, I'll know who my birth parents are and try to get in contact and let them know, okay, whatever happened, happened. Uh, you got grand- grandkids and all. Well, they were overwhelmed in Illinois by the number of people looking for their original birth certificate. But when I finally got it, I have three daughters, Doc, and uh, three grandkids, two son-in-laws. I know what a birth certificate looks like, but I opened up the, the letter, and they said, this is your foundling certificate. I said, foundling? What's a foundling? I looked it up. You were abandoned. You were actually found. And that just stunned. I was stunned. And I looked further. You were found on this day. That's the day I celebrated as my birthday. No, that's just the day you were found. You were found on this day by this at this address by this man, Caesar Johnson, and you received the orphanage by this doctor. And and like your audience probably now, I, I just know that I celebrated for 45 years. My birthday is this. They end up telling me, no, that's just the day you were found. Well, I'm a fighter, and, and, and uh, I say i got to find the doctor who took me in the orphanage. I did the research, found him out in 1999. And I said, I wonder, can I find a guy who found me? And I get three numbers, and the very first number I call, the older woman answers the phone, and I tell her, hey, my name is Joseph. I'm here in Arkansas looking for a guy by the name of C. Johnson. He would have saved the kid. He would have saved the you, you know what? You're, you're, uh, you're breaking up on us a little bit. Can you uh, move to a different part of the room or something? Because this, this is a very important story, and I, wanted, yeah. I don't want my listeners to miss any of it. All right. Is that sounding better? Yes, sir. Sound much can better. You hear me okay? Yes, sir. Yep. So I ended up uh, having three names, and I went ahead, and the very first number I called, a lady answered the phone, said, my name is Joseph. I'm uh, here in Arkansas. I'm looking for a guy by the name of Caesar Johnson. Uh, he would have saved someone. He spells his name a little differently. And the lady said, save someone? My husband saved someone? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, his name is spelled different. How do you spell it? I spelled it. And she said, well, that's correct. And she said, save someone? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, what's your phone number? Well, Doc, I had just called my wife before I called her and said, how do I get someone to take my number? Yeah. Because if something shocks them and they hang up the phone, at least I have my number. She said, just call, just call the number. And so I did. Anyway, now she's asking me what my number was. Now right. I'm stunned, stunned and I'm crawfishing. Why do you need my number? She said, well, he's 80 years old. He's hard of hearing and I uh, may have to switch phones. I'm thinking, wow, this may be the guy. And finally he, she said, hold on. You said save someone? Yes, ma'am. Was it a baby he saved? Yes, ma'am. Are you the baby he saved? 
Yes, ma'am. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. She went into a Holy Ghost meltdown, Doc, and just started praising the Lord. Oh, my Jesus. Jesus. She was screaming, shouting, Caesar, that baby you saved, Caesar. Well, Caesar comes to the phone, and he, he, he I'm, I'm sitting here bawling at this point. And uh, he says, hello, and I can't get my words together. And um, she's in the background still screaming, hollering, oh, Jesus. And he comes back, and he says, oh, my, I remember like it was yesterday. You alive? That had to be over 50 years ago. And I'm bawling. No, it was only 45 years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he only goes, then he says, he tells a story. He said, one of the coldest days in Chicago, snow and ice outside. It was about eight degrees. I just put my wife and kids to bed. And I walked out of my apartment complex, and there was a box with a blanket moving. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was an animal, so I took my foot to move the blanket. The blanket moved, and there was a kid in it. And I'm looking up and down the street, but I really can't see anything because it was nighttime and the snow and ice was blowing. So I picked up the box and carefully ran back into the house, woke my wife up, woke my neighbors. We walked around the neighborhood trying to figure out where this kid came from. Mm. Uh, a few hours later, we called the Chicago police. They came. They were asking questions. And they ended up saying, hey, uh, Mr. Caesar, you, you saved this kid. We're going to take him to the orphanage downtown. And that was the beginning of my journey and my story. Uh, and I only found this out, like I said, 11 years ago when the laws changed in Illinois, giving access to original birth certificates. Wow. So I've been on the journey and trying to put those pieces together. But I am so appreciative. Uh, Doc, I struggled as a teen trying to figure out why was I giving up for adoption. Uh, never knew that I was abandoned. Uh, was what did I do as a kid? As I'm thinking, and uh, was she a prostitute? Was she in an interracial relation that wasn't acceptable? Well, am I a product of incest? And the only thing that got me through was this: that the only thing I can do is say, "Well, I guess it didn't matter. I'm here. She had me. She had me. She had me." Well, when I shared that with Mr. Caesar, when I met him and told him some of my struggles as a teen, he said, "Well, she did more than had you. She must have loved you because she put you in a place where you can be found." She could have had you in Chicago. You have an alley, which is in the back of the house. She could have had you in a black plastic bag and left you in the alley, and I would have never found you. She had you in the front of the apartment complex where somebody would see you and get you. Wow. And so, uh, and this just really speaks to this thing that what God has for you, he has for you, and the plans that he has, no one can alter. Uh, and so I think this is so important, this, this life thing, because, again, nothing else matters if we're not here to even dispute the issue or have a different side of the issue, whatever freedom means and whatever pursuit of happiness means. we got to be here to, to, to experience and negotiate and talk about it and see what that is. So that's why it's so near and dear to me, this thing called life. Amen. Amen. Wow. Second time I've heard the story, but uh, sorry. I, uh, is somebody cutting onions in here? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I must have got something in my eyes. I, I don't know. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. I mean, my eyes are sweating. That's what it is. It's hot outside. My eyes are sweating. Yeah, that must be that's it. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's that my is. story, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. That's just remarkable. It's just amazing. One of the things about the abortion issue, we're talking to Joseph K. Wood. He's uh, uh, the uh, county judge of Washington County, Arkansas. He's running for lieutenant governor of Arkansas. Uh, brother, one of the things about the abortion issue is that the people who say, well, you know, it's a woman's choice, et cetera, et cetera, and you, you shouldn't change the law and all this kind of stuff, they dehumanize the baby. You Absolutely. Know? And you were a human Absolutely. being. 
You are a human Absolutely. being. You're a defenseless right. baby. It's eight degrees outside. And by the grace mm. of God, Caesar Johnson yes. found you and took you into the warmth. Um, That's correct. But we, we, we are all, we are all created in the image of God. You know, we are oh, all yeah. image bearers of our creator. And mm. the, mm-hmm. I, the idea you know, the, the whole idea, and going all the way back to Roe v. Wade, January 22nd, 1973, probably the worst decision ever by the U.S. Supreme Court, of dehumanizing image bearers of our Creator. And we, uh, we pray that this U.S. Supreme Court will overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and at least give the states an opportunity to save these babies. And it's just... Absolutely uh, right. Remarkable to me that uh, doc, you were one I, of them. Uh, doc, I would share also that you, you're right. We're coming up on 50 years since that decision. Um, and and just knowing that we just did our March for Life uh, here a couple uh, less than a month ago, to think that that could be very well the last March uh, for Life, because if the Supreme Court does overturn and send that back to the states, then the states get a chance to really lay in and weigh in on this. And Arkansas has done a phenomenal job and leading the country, being exemplary when it comes to having a pro-life stance and being the most pro-life uh, in the country. The question, the piece that I will put out as well, though, is share is that, as I was telling you earlier or sharing with you earlier about the focus on education, the economic development, well, if we end up uh, getting that overturned, we will see probably even more kids and more women in need of services uh, and families in need of support and so to encourage your listeners around the country, to encourage the, the nonprofits, in particular the church, to be more open and engaged and opening up and saying, hey, I, I, I want to adopt. And if I can't adopt, I'll foster care. And if I can't foster care, I'll do some volunteer work. Because, again, there's there may be some reason why people think that uh, abortion is the only uh, option. Is it because they don't think they have the support mechanism, the resources? And so I'm really inclined to say it's got to be more than just saying, and pro-life just to have the kid born, yeah. but to also kind of to have that that family where we were talking about grandparents being engaged or that church. Because, see, the church, and the, the church did all of this before the federal government got involved and the state government got involved. Uh, they were the ones who took their widow, widows and orphans. That's what the word right. tells us, right? Right. And so uh, we have advocated some of our responsibility. I'm a believer, and when we start stepping back and allowing government to do it, and even as good as government may want to be, and benevolent as they try to be, they can't put the heart on it that the church and that you and I can. Yeah, and this is one of the things that so many people don't realize. There are over 3,500 pregnancy resource centers in this country yes. who not only mm-hmm. help women um, who are pregnant and in a difficult situation, but they are designed to help these moms and their children for years after they have the baby. And I That's wish, cool. I wish, I wish more people knew that these organizations exist. Well, part of that would be if we can at least get, if we're going to continue to have Congress spend money on, say, the Planned Parenthood, that for every dollar they spend on Planned Parenthood, to spend a dollar on a pregnancy center, uh, like the pregnancy center that they have here in the Sebastian County, Crawford County area, or uh, the work, I, I wrote two children's books, 
doc. I don't know if you know, saving joy and adopting joy, J O E Y. That's, that's the name that I was growing up. I was growing with and wrote two children's books talking about my story that I share with you guys. And in the back, I list a number of different resources. So someone who happens to get that and think about, you know what? I want to adopt. I want to, I want to know where I can go. Well, yep. The pregnancy or, uh, um, uh, Arkansas right to life or, uh, the call. I sit on the state board of the call and call is all across the country. There is a Christian organization that spends a lot of time working to encourage more church and church members to get involved, to do something with our young people. And so you're right. How do we highlight and, and promote the fact that there's pregnancy centers across the country and they need, they need resources. They need more support. They need more help, but they are the arms that help us take care of our children. Amen. Amen. Joseph K. Wood, if people want to find out more about your campaign for lieutenant governor, what do they do? You can go to uh, Joseph Wood for Arkansas on the website or more go to Joseph Wood for lieutenant governor on the Facebook. Um, love to have the support uh, people around the country. We got some good uh, patriots out there and you got some great listeners. And so um, we got a, we got a foot race out here, but I really believe that no one is doing what I'm doing when it comes to uh, the things that we've touched in, in this County. Again, one of the fastest growing in the country, truly one of the best inside of the Arkansas state of Arkansas. And that's doing the things I talked about economic development, cutting budgets. My first year cut a million dollars out of my budget. The second year, 750,000. So in the first two as a new judge, how do you do that? And again, it's being focused and intent. I'm building, um, a veteran housing, affordable housing for veterans. The first one in the state of Arkansas would be one of four in the country called Patriot Park. 60 affordable apartment units for veterans. So we're doing the things that you're, that you would want a governor to do. And I'm doing it here in the county and ready to take some of these things, uh, the training experience as an executive in the private sector and now executive here to bring that down to Little Rock as lieutenant governor. All right, very good, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on the program. Always good visiting with you. Look forward to seeing how you continue to move. Look forward to catching up with you soon. All right, God bless you, brother. Joseph K. Wood. You You too. Running for lieutenant governor. Thank you very much. Godspeed. Thank you. All right. All right. That means we've come to this part of the show. Let me see if I got it right. Do, Do I have it right? I think I got it right. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door wherever you live in the continental United States of America. All right, tweet of the day, and as often happens, it's not just a tweet, it's a thread of tweets. And this is somebody who goes by GW, says he's a rocket surgeon. This person clearly lives in California. And this is what he says. The email I just sent to my children's administrators and teachers says, I just finished watching the Super Bowl held in Inglewood, California. It's supposedly operated under the same public health orders our schools are currently operating under, in which case 
every celebrity, politician, and fan in the stadium should have been wearing a mask. But none of them were. I saw images of the mayor of Los Angeles, maskless, countless celebrities, posting to Instagram, maskless. Even the public health director of Los Angeles County, Barbara Ferrer, posting a video saying now everyone was doing the right thing and taking care of each other while a row of maskless fans sat immediately behind her. I can no more in good conscience pretend that this makes any sense. The hypocrisy has become too much to bear. I can no longer come up with any excuse to my kids while they are forced to wear a mask at recess while 75,000 fans ignore the same rules in full view of the director of public health. There is no explanation that makes sense. I refuse to lie to my children to further some noble lie. This is a sham and a charade. It's not about public health. I refuse to tell my children to follow a rule that makes no sense just because. My kids were forced to wear masks at recess and PE during an NWS declared heat advisory last week, National Weather Service. Tonight, rich people ignore the rules and party unfettered. This is unacceptable. I have given my kids permission to remove their masks at any point they feel appropriate tomorrow, whether that's at recess, PE, or in class. I don't know if they'll choose to follow through with that decision, but know that if they do, they do it with my full support, the full support of myself and my wife. I've explained that there might be consequences that they might bear, whether being sent home, detention, or worse. I leave the decision to them. If you'd like to discuss further, please call me on my cell phone. And he says, in response to that letter that he sent to the teachers and administrators of the public school his kids go to in L.A. County, California, he got a reply, we're just following orders. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. Before I get out of here, I want to uh, look at some of the comments we've been getting on uh, on the Podbean app today. Let's see. Oh, earlier when I was talking about running for governor, somebody said, I don't understand why Sarah Huckabee Sanders is so quiet. I wonder if they will allow a debate. They didn't let Asa and Jan Morgan debate. Hmm. Well, Jan Morgan would have been happy to debate. I'm not sure who they is. We're talking about Walmart, Chamber of Commerce? I don't know. Good question. I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether Sarah Huckabee Sanders and I debate. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to make the case, and I believe we can win this thing. Um, Somebody else said, thanks. And glad to see you're running for governor. Most of us just talk and complain but won't run. You have stepped up to the challenge and not just talk about it. Thanks. Well, God bless you. I appreciate your kind words. Somebody else says nobody wants to talk about this story. I'm ready. Probably about John Durham saying Hillary Clinton's campaign was 
spying on Trump in the uh, in the White House. Uh, let's see. Somebody else here says they will all be quiet about it. No one will say anything. Again, probably talking about our members of Congress um, about Trump being spied on by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Another one said the turtle head, the turtle head Mitch, has threatened them if they take up for Trump. Perhaps. Perhaps. I'll tell you one thing, though. If Jan Morgan gets elected United States Senate, Mitch McConnell's not going to be able to threaten her. I'm just saying. Another comment here. They're good at coming up with excuse why they can't investigate what's going on with the January 6th prisoners. And Dr. Fakey must be uh, for Fauci. Another buddy of mine here says, I'm getting more and more support for you. Press on, buddy, talking about my uh, campaign for uh, for governor. And last but not least here, it says Emily Ruth was listening today. So thankful, Ms. Emily Ruth. I, I believe she's 90 years old, if, if not more, and she used to call my uh, local talk radio show every once in a while. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I appreciate that. Another says, checks in the mail. Go, Doc. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Now, again, I am scheduled to be at the uh, Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, their 23rd anniversary um, celebration of being in business, helping heal people this afternoon from 2 to 6 at their office on uh, Race Avenue uh, in Searcy, Arkansas. That having been said, you've been listening to the 87th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. None of our advertisers have officially endorsed my candidacy for governor yet. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck, send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. That's the way it is. Monday, February 14th, 2022.